0: Caleb.
1: And I'm Elise.
0: And you're listening to Happily Scary, a horror podcast for newlyweds and nearly deads. And today, Elise, we're talking about a new movie. Not a new movie. A
1: new old movie. A new
0: movie to me. A new old movie to you. Yes. And what is that movie?
1: That movie is called The Uninvited.
0: Now, The Uninvited, what inspired you to select this choice for us to watch the other day?
1: there were a lot of parties growing up, and I just never seemed to make the guest list. So when I saw this title, I felt like it was probably going to be relatable to me. Um, It wasn't what I thought it was, but uh, the first time I watched it, I think I watched it by myself. And I thought it was just the most amazing M. Night twist at the end, which we'll talk about. And then the second time I watched it, I made someone watch it with me. And I can't remember if it was my brother or if it was one of my friends. But I was really excited to, you know, have them experience the twist and see their reaction. But they guessed it. Like
0: I didn't guess it.
1: Like almost immediately. Like maybe maybe a fourth of the way 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 through. I felt very Mm -hmm. stupid because I thought it was... A brilliant surprise and they were like oh so," and that was them saying the surprise but i didn't want to say it yet in case we're saying
0: yeah it. we should say and we haven't in the past and by the past i mean the other episode that we were the
1: one episode
0: but we should say that we are a spoiler podcast so if you're listening to this i would hope you'd intuit that i mean
1: this movie has been out since what
0: 2011 i think maybe it was yeah. earlier so you've had that? your
1: chance to watch this wait i'm gonna
0: i'm gonna double check on this 2009 even earlier than that mm-hmm. so that's the reason why you wanted to watch it initially why did you want me to watch it
1: so when i had my friend or whoever it was watch it and they discovered the twist way early in the movie uh i thought maybe this wasn't as clever of a movie as i thought you know maybe i was the dummy oh. Uh, and... So now uh, you're just kind of
0: using it like a touring test to see uh-huh. if, like, your friends...
1: Yeah, I want to see who's smart enough to figure it out. You weren't. I was not smart <laughs> so... enough.
0: I I had some pretty wild theories about mm. who it was going to be.
1: But the reason why I picked this movie... I had, like, a list of horror movies that I just... As stuff I may want to revisit. And this was on that list, and... When I think of this movie, I think that it's kind of like a feel-good horror movie.
0: That's interesting. I don't feel yeah. like I got that from it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what? I probably need to use... Speaking of Turing test, now we're going to talk about Rorschach test. I feel like oh I need to use horror movies to, like, say... what you, Emotionally, how did you feel about this upsetting thing that we just saw?
1: Mm.
0: And based on what you said... I can figure something out about you psychologically that I previously had not lo- unlocked in conversations that we've
1: had. Right, or... right. I feel that this is a feel-good horror movie because we've got a lake house. We've got a lake. We've got some beautiful girls in it. We've got family love, mostly sisterly love. um, Just kind of a lot of comforting elements that if you... I mean, if you strip away the scary parts, that's like a classic, good-feeling movie.
0: You know, I feel even worse about not figuring this movie out. Why? Um, Because I have seen two movies that are essentially the same story as this. Mm. But I didn't make the connection till doing research later. But there was an earlier film, a famous Korean picture called A Tale of Two Sisters... ...that is pretty much the same story. And then there's a French adaptation that's called Goodnight, Mommy. Both of these I think I saw within the last two years. And I did not make the connection that all three of these movies... ...share essentially the same story to them. Obviously different cultural contexts, audiences. And so I feel even worse about not intuiting anything that was going on in the movie. And I think I kept wildly guessing at what was going to happen... Yeah. Um so I the M Night twist worked on me. By the way, we don't say plot twist in this household. We say <laughs> no. the M Night twist. We should probably explain. We've talked about it a little bit, but we should probably explain what this movie, The Uninvited from 2009, directed by Charles Guard and Thomas Guard, collectively known as the Guard brothers, who have made virtually nothing else. I think this may have sunk their career.
1: No. Um
0: and then starring we'll Emily Browning as no, Anna. No, I think
1: Actually, it's starring Mandy Moore and Demi Lovato.
0: That's right. Well, that's interesting. Do you think the main girl, Anna, looks like Demi?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a stretch. It's a little stretch. But when she was real young and on Disney, if you kind of compare, I think you'd see it. Yeah. Okay. But Mandy Moore, for sure.
0: Yeah, Ariel Kebble, I believe is her name, that played her sister, Alex. Um, definitely from certain angles had a Mandy Moore vibe. Mm -hmm. And then of course it has Elizabeth Banks as the villain question mark. I don't know. We'll get into that in a minute. And, uh, the dad is the, is a famous character actor. that has been in a lot of great movies. David Strathern, I think his name is. I'm not totally sure how to pronounce that, but anyways, it's got a good cast. It's based on a pretty good story. Um, but you know, your mileage may vary with it. Um, Elise and I are dumb enough to have not seen the plot twist coming. Apparently, all of our friends and family would.
1: I, can yeah, I interject? Ahead. Sure, sure. I would love to hear from others out there to know if when you watched this movie for the first time, did you see it coming? Did you not? Or at what point did you see it coming? Yeah. Because I I mean, the second viewing where whoever it was called it you know, made me feel... Some type of way. But on rewatching it with you, I was watching it knowing what I know. And I felt like they did a good job disguising it. I really do.
0: I think so. Because I was fooled by it.
1: Yeah. So I Um, I don't think we should be too hard on ourselves about this. That's
0: true. That's true. I think we
1: should just say they did a good job. And
0: honestly, I am... You know, Pete Holmes, the comedian, has that great bit about going to see magicians. And like... You know, it's just experiencing like all this childlike wonder. Mm -hmm. And the guy next to him was like a big tough guy. And he's like, it's, you know, it's smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like him in the sense that like, I want to be fooled by this stuff. I want to be tricked by it. Right. I want even the lousiest horror movies to be a total thrill to me. Mm -hmm. And so I like that I'm not critical enough to immediately see through what's coming. And it's a major bummer when it does because I feel like if I can figure it out. It's probably kind of a lazy movie. Yeah. But I had an appreciation for this movie. But Back by Popular Demand <laughs> is our only character on the show, which is the the YouTube film reviewer guy.
1: We should come up with a shorter name, I think.
0: Yeah, we should. We should come up with a segment, I think. Like a, a, a segment a catchy segment idea for who <laughs> What this do dude you guys
1: is. think the name would be for a guy that does YouTube criticisms.
0: Yeah. come Help us name this guy that is going to do like a synopsis of the plot
1: mm-hmm. that he gets
0: from Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. But he does it in that really annoying YouTube like film reviewer voice. Mm-hmm. So be thinking about that for us. What should we name this guy? What should we name this segment? And also, as we get into it more, we do want to know what you think about this movie, And also, are you somebody that gets easily fooled by this kind of stuff? Like, you know, are you a person that gets surprised? Are you able to predict a movie pretty easily? Um, do you like being able to predict it or not predict it? Where are you on that journey? We'd like to know that. Um, but anyways, back to the YouTube guy voice mm-hmm. and the synopsis for this movie. Uh, tagline is, can you believe what you see? mm-hmm But this is The Uninvited. Anna returns home after spending time in a psychiatric facility following her mother's tragic death and discovers that her mother's former nurse, Rachel, has moved into their house and become engaged to her father. Soon after she learns this shocking news, Anna is visited by her mother's ghost, who warns her that Rachel has evil intentions.
1: Thanks. I hate it.
0: Yeah. I... (laughs) It's exhausting to do that.
1: Yeah. I can tell by your facial expressions. I feel feel like 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 you're pulling a vein.
0: I'm going to throw up after every time I do it. Yeah. But, well, let's get into the movie. Okay. All right, Elise. So this is my first time seeing this movie. And it's your, like, third, fourth time seeing it.
1: At least third.
0: Okay. Uh, so why don't I tell you kind of what I think the story is about, the major beats and stuff. And
1: I'll tell you where you're wrong. Yeah.
0: And you can kind of help me inter- see if I was interpreting it right all mm-hmm. along. Um,
1: I'm an expert cause I have seen it three times.
0: <laughs> so it starts with, uh, this girl, um, named Anna, who is, I guess probably a teenager. I'm not sure if we ever really get her age Yeah,
1: I or don't like know. young
0: twenties or something like that. But she's in a psychiatric ward, and she's explaining some crazy dream that she's had to her doctor or counselor or therapist. And it has to do with her mom and some accident that happened to her mom. And so you kind of get the background of why she's in this place. And, um, and then the, the, the counselor says something along the lines to her, like, sometimes we survive by forgetting. And so I, I jotted that down. Because I felt like that was going to be kind of a key interpretive you know, guide to how we would see the rest of this movie. But she's able to go home. And I'm not sure if she's being discharged permanently or on a trial basis. They kind of talk about it in a way where maybe it's a trial basis. They're hoping it'll be something longer. Right. But she gets picked up by her dad. Uh, and then before she leaves, she gets accosted by another patient. That was like you shouldn't be leaving here. You belong here, or something. And
1: they'll never fix you. They couldn't fix me. Yeah,
0: exactly. And wearing the you know the bathrobe, disheveled hair, mm. typical you know one flew over the cuckoo's nest kind of stylings. But anyways, her dad, whose name is Steve, I believe, picks her up, picks Anna up, and he takes her back to their home. Uh, this is beautiful house that's on I'm guessing the the ocean. The Atlantic Ocean, because it's set in Maine Mm -hmm. and they live on, again, you know,
1: that's another reason why maybe it's a feel good movie, because I don't know. It's nice to look at that area. I I don't don't know how to. Yeah, I don't know how to explain. It just looks like small town homey.
0: Yeah, but Anna gets home and she's excited to see her sister and she's excited just to kind of like get back to normal life. And she's walking throughout the house and she notices some changes. And one of the things she notices is a woman kind of standing in the shadow. Um, and the woman notices her and steps out of the shadow in a very dramatic fashion. And it's Elizabeth Banks, who is playing um, the former nurse of Anna. Well, we don't
1: we don't know that at first. Sick we mother. just know that this is her dad's new girlfriend.
0: Yeah, and so you can tell there's some, there's some weird feelings there, mm-hmm. but Elizabeth <laughs> Banks plays a character named Rachel, who you do come to find out was the nurse of their mom that was sick and dying or something.
1: So obviously there's some hard feelings there because their mother died. I don't know yeah. if we've mentioned that yet. Did yeah. we mention that? Yeah, I
0: think so. Okay,
1: their mother has died And this nurse has become the new girlfriend. So that's a little questionable. It's a little shady.
0: And you can tell that Anna's not happy with it. Um, And then she walks down to their little lake house. That's just like like a little boathouse, really. It's a Mm -hmm. very small area. And then all of a sudden her sister, Alex, just kind of shows up and scares her. But she's looking in this like looking in the boathouse like something is wrong and it's like creepy um like the, she's
1: scared to go in she's there. she's scared
0: to go in there and there's nothing in there it's like broad daylight but there's just weird shadows and that's one thing and I'll, i maybe I'll save this for later but I, I thought sometimes the cinematography and lighting of this movie was really clever
1: another reason why I think is feel good
0: other times <laughs> because it's like good and cheery lighting
1: well it's it's just well shot I think yeah. And that always adds for me. It adds an element to it.
0: Yeah, and uh, man, there are some like bona fide, like creepy kind of ghost scenes in here.
1: Yeah, which at first, in the first few minutes, I thought, oh gosh, is this a horror movie? Because it just wasn't really moving in that direction at all. I got kind of concerned that I had asked you to watch this movie that was just like a very mild thriller or something. But but no, it really showed up. It had some good scares.
0: And, uh, and then after that, I mean, it's just like these two, especially, well, I guess you could say three, Anna and Alex and Rachel, all like trying to get along with each other. Uh, Anna is, seems like she's more amenable to accepting Rachel. Um, and Rachel seems nice and like she's trying, but she also is kind of like, seems like strangely ominous. Like you can't figure out what's going on with her, but she's. Maybe it's just because you're seeing it through Anna's eyes. But mm-hmm. she just seems like somebody that's not to be trusted. And Alex, her older sister, is just straight up hates Rachel. Just like won't give her time of day, won't give her a break. and uh, And so they are trying to bond, I guess. But then they just keep running into obstacles where...
1: I wouldn't even say they're trying to bond. I feel like the longer the movie goes on, the more shall we say, conspiracy theories or ideas that the girls are coming up with, reasons why this woman can't be trusted. Yeah. And so they're kind of watching and analyzing and waiting to see what's going to happen. I would not say they're making efforts to just go with it or bond with her or whatever. They're not really interested in that.
0: But Anna is trying to get like reintegrated back into her life, she's meeting up with uh, an old flame of hers and um, just trying to figure out what all is going on, what has happened in her absence. Um, but the the real rub of the movie is that they start to uncover things about Rachel that seem unsettling. Mm-hmm. They start to find, um, you know, pictures and um, just they get little hints that she may have been involved in some way in their I think mother's they, death.
1: I think they found like an old driver's license that had a different last name on it. And they were kind of questioning, who is this woman?
0: Yeah, they find um, something that leads them to believe that her real name is not Rachel, but is in fact Mildred Kemp. And so they go on like a Google search and they find out that Mildred Kemp was the name of a caretaker of another family in town. Um, that had three children that ended up killed, and th- there was some sort of jealous rage between the, the 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 caretaker Mildred and the husband of that family. And then Mildred just kind of disappeared, and so they're thinking, oh well, this is this woman is maybe Mildred that's disappeared, gone off the grid, and mm-hmm. shown back up all these years later, yep. and has now assumed this. Identity of Rachel and she's just kind of this psychotic black widow
1: and then she kind of has like an obsessive streak Yeah, and so now she's doing the same thing with their father that she did with this other family
0: And so she goes after married men She breaks up families and there's just something about that that's thrilling to her That's kind of the implication you're getting But of course all of this we should say is spurred on by the fact that Anna keeps having these dreams or these visions where her dead mother is Essentially haunting her and you know indicating that there is something gone amiss, and so one of the creepier scenes in the movie, the first dream sequence that we have of Anna's when she's back in her house, is that she's in her bed, and um well, to put it mildly, she hears I think her father and Rachel being intimate, and so she puts her iPod in, and starts listening, and she falls asleep, but all of a sudden then her door opens up and she sees some movement like behind this door. And then she looks in another corner of her room and she sees like a crumpled up body on the ground and she freaks out and she's just in the dark. Like you, like you would be like just paralyzed by fear. And this thing starts crawling towards her and it looks like it's like bloodied or burned or something. And then all of a sudden it just slams its hand up on the bed. You can't, I mean, it's, it's really kind of terrifying.
1: Yeah. It's actually creepy.
0: And, uh, and then all of a sudden she just wakes up. I think her mom says something to her. I don't remember what she says there, but she wakes up and she's like in a terror and she's, and she's like looking around her room and all of a sudden her sister as out of nowhere, her sister just seems to be standing there, like came home from a party or something. Mm-hmm. And she looks I think she. Over.
1: I think the implication is she heard her scream. So she came in to check yeah. on her.
0: And she, but when her sister is talking and uh, she looks over on her nightstand and sees the bell that her mom used to ring to get service while she was sick. To get Rachel to come or to get her husband to come and to aid her. Mm-hmm. And um, this is where it's been you know a couple days since we watched this. So I'm forgetting. Do they say at the very beginning that the mom died in a fire or do they only reveal that later?
1: No. Anna is talking to her therapist, and she's explaining this dream that she had, and she's, like, she says she was carrying a, a watering can, and, um, she talks about there being, like, some sort of fiery explosion that she, and then she has a watering can, so he, he uses that to say, like, maybe you had the watering can because you were wanting to put out the fire, blah, blah, whatever, so we know that that happens in the dream, and then as the movie kind of begins we're kind of realizing okay that did happen that was something her mom did die in a fire but we don't know how the fire got started yeah so we're we're kind of led to believe that e banks started the fire
0: yeah and so although her mom was terminally yeah. ill in some way it was really the fire that killed her and that's why this spirit this ghost seems to be so agitated mm-hmm. um but again they start to uncover these things and she believes that people in town, including, I think, her ex-boyfriend, whose name is escaping me right now, she believes that maybe he saw something. So she wants him to meet her at night and talk about it.
1: Yeah, let's, let's say this. They saw each other in person, and then while they were in person, they said, let's meet up later to talk about this, even though we're in person right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they're having a conversation kind of in private. Um, Out in public, I think he's like a he's a stock boy at Mm -hmm. a grocery store, and she's out shopping with Rachel, and she sees this guy and was like, "I think you saw something that night when the house caught on fire. My mom died. I want to talk to you." So she kind of chases him down and says, "Like, we need to talk about this." And he said, "I I I can't talk about this here. Let's you know." Anyways, so I predicted what he was going to say, and we Mm -hmm. both laughed at that. So I guess I can predict simple things like that, right?
1: Yeah, predictable tropes. Um,
0: but long story short, this kid turns up dead. And Anna comes On to, his way to meet on, her. On his way to meet her. He and, dies. And Anna figures this out because she has a dream. Another terrifying dream where she's in her bed. Mm-hmm. And her sister falls in, asleep with her. But then she wakes up and it's dark and her sister's gone. But he's climbing in the window. And so immediately I was like, oh, this is probably a dream sequence. Because the sister's gone. He's climbing in. And they're talking. And he said he got delayed. And... But now he's there and
1: he was all wet. And she said, why are you wet? And he said, I slipped and hurt my back or something, which is the most bizarre answer. But it makes sense in knowing that it's a dream, because I feel like in dreams, people are never actually making any sense. Yeah.
0: You can be like, hey, why are you standing over there? And then all of a sudden they turn into a horse and you're just like, oh, well, that's why you're standing over there. Right. it's, It's dream logic. Yeah um so that kind of gives it away but it really gives it away when she goes to kiss him because again he's like an ex-boyfriend of hers before she had her psychological breakdown because her mother died in a fire um and his like his bones start to like his
1: spine starts to contort
0: yeah it's like it's like deteriorating or something and And she screams, and she like runs away from him. And this really—he says,
1: "Hold me, Anna. Yeah, (laughs) hold me, Anna."
0: This really creepy shot of him like missing a spine and And crumbling into the floor. I mean, maybe that was CGI or practical effects, but it looked really good, really scary and convincing. Mm -hmm. But when she wakes up in the next morning, and she goes out on the dock, and she sees like. I guess the sheriff or something. There's people. Water ambulance. Water ambulance. <laughs> so that's a really a thing, isn't it? I don't think so. Is it or a police boat or
1: something? I like don't that? know what it
0: is. There's like, I think you're onto something there. I think there okay. really is. Long story short, the authorities, some local people are out there and it looks like they're dragging the lake and they're pulling him out of the water, his dead body out of the water.
1: Which also looked eerily real.
0: Yeah. Oh like his yeah. Dead
1: body like being pulled up.
0: That's a thing that a lot of movies don't do well, horror or not, is that when somebody's dead, they just look like it's somebody just laying there. Mm -hmm. But he looked like, I mean. Very dead. Very dead. Extremely dead. Blue skin, just like bloated. It was like, uh, it was unnerving to see that. Mm -hmm. And the way they were like showing them pulling, it was probably a, a, a dummy, I guess, or something, pulling this out of the water. I mean, it just looked so realistic. Mm. So again, I think some of the effects and cinematography in this movie did a good job at that part of it. I know people disagree about the power of the story itself or how well it's executed. But then she figures out, oh, well, Rachel heard us talking and Rachel knew that we were talking about what happened that night. And so she really must be this Mildred Kemp. She put an end to it. And she, yeah, so she killed that family of, of children that, uh, that Anna's been having visions about. And so long story short, we've been talking about this for a while, but just to wind up, she has a big confrontation with her. And Anna thinks that Rachel is trying to use a sedative to like put her to sleep, get her reinstitutionalized because she doesn't want her messing up this relationship with her father. But it turns violent. There's a struggle. And so they're they're fighting, and then Anna gets away. And another great scene is that she goes and turns on the car, and this perfectly working normal car just decides not to start. Of course. The, the engine won't turn over. And so I love when that happens in a movie because that literally never happens. But finally she gets it started and she gets to the sheriff's office and explains all that what, what happened and she has this research. Look, she's this really this person that's been on the run and she's trying to do the same thing to my dad. And the sheriff says, okay, stay here. And this is where I was like, okay, I know what's going to happen.
1: But before he says that, he's like, oh, I remember this story. Like, that's so interesting. So he's acting like he is listening to her and like he agrees. And then he says, stay here. I'll be right back.
0: Yeah. And then she kind of stays there. She dozes off. And when she wakes up, Rachel is over her. But first she has a vision of her mom. Her mom's like dead, burned body, like floating over her. And she's like terrified. And then all of a sudden it changes to Rachel. And Rachel says something like, don't worry, I'm a nurse. Something ridiculous like (laughs) that. And then injects her with this sedative. And the sheriff is holding her down because nobody believes her. They think she's like deranged and crazy and all that stuff. And then so she passes out and then it shows She's kind of coming to as Rachel is bringing her home. The dad is away on business or something like that. So that's why he's not here for any of this. Um, Alex has also been sedated and incapacitated. That's why she's not helping out Mm -hmm. either. And uh, she puts her on the bed and says something to her. It's like, you know.
1: She says, I've always wanted to know what it's like to have a daughter. And you've taken that away from me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you think she's going to get killed. And then she looks and sees Alex is back on her feet. I don't know why Rachel has not been paying attention to Alex, but Alex is going to come stop Rachel. Maybe
1: save the day. Maybe
0: save the day. Anna passes out again. She wakes up. Nobody's there. She walks out in the hallway and she just sees a trail of blood. And she thinks Alex is dead. Rachel got her. So she follows this trail of blood all the way outside and it leads to a dumpster. She opens the dumpster. And it's Rachel. It's not Alex. So I and was that's like, not
1: even the M. Night Twist.
0: So I thought, oh, okay, so they got her. I remember at this point I was thinking...
1: You, this... I think you said, mm, there's something wrong here. Something's not adding I on. did
0: say that. But I also was like, how much is left of this movie? Because I feel like there can't be that much left. <laughs>
1: that's another thing that you do. You'll just all of a sudden hit pause just because you want to see... How many more minutes are left so you can gauge, is this really the yeah. ending? Or is there something else coming? Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of cheating, but yeah. whatever.
0: Uh, I like to I, I like to kind of spoil stuff for myself in that mm-hmm. way sometimes. Yeah. There's only a few minutes left in the movie. And so Alex is like, it had to be done. We'll tell dad together. She was really this monster. And then all of a sudden, their dad arrives home. He sees that they're standing there in blood. One of them holding a knife. and They're holding hands. He was like, what happened? What happened? And he was like, you need to tell me what happened right now. Anna says, Rachel's trying to kill us. She was, you know, she was after us. And then she mentions her sister. And he was like, why are you talking about your sister? And then here's the M. Night twist. Your sister's dead. And then it cuts back to them. And all of a sudden, Alex is not there anymore. And it's Anna that's holding the knife. Mm Mm-hmm. And then there's a reversal shot in the very beginning of the movie when Anna first sees Rachel. Rachel, this person that she thinks is evil, trying to manipulate her dad, maybe a murderer, is standing in the dark. She steps into the light. Anna looks over to the side or where she's standing, and she sees kind of in the distance her sister standing there in the dark.
1: And she calls out to her. She
0: calls out to her, and then a light comes on, and then she sees her own reflection.
1: Yep. Which is very cool.
0: Which was cool. It felt like a good parallel. It did. To the beginning of the movie. Like, she was the villain all along. Villains probably harsh for somebody with, Mm -hmm. you know, some psychiatric problems.
1: But she was the one who did kill Rachel.
0: And so, all of a sudden, you're reinterpreting the whole movie up until this point. Rachel may have not been the most ethical person in the world, especially since she was flirting with a married man. Um, but then it's revealed that Rachel changed her name because she used to have a boyfriend that beat her up. And and um, that was it Mildred Kemp? I said it like a million times, but now I can't remember. Um, well, that's
1: not... She just changed her last name.
0: Well, the Mildred Kemp, that's not who she is. That right, was like, right, right, you know, all that was made up. And so... Anna was actually making all of this up. And then I think it shows a flashback of what really happened that night where Anna was with her boyfriend or something like that, I think.
1: Oh, you're going back to yeah. the scene with her boyfriend. Was, well, they kind of do the flashback thing of like, they're showing all these times that she was, Anna was with Alex and they're taking Alex out of the scene. So you can kind of like, you know, reassess. It's, oh, it's yeah. a trope. Yeah. Um, To reassess what, how all those scenes would have looked if it was really just Anna, which is what it was. Yeah. And so I think one of those scenes is showing her with her ex-boyfriend that he did come meet up with her. She, I don't know exactly what happened, but she ended up pushing him off yeah. this big rock and he fell into the water and died.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Anna, the whole time had this like malevolence to her like mm-hmm. or she had a split personality that was like that she couldn't remember. And so, you know, that the line from the beginning of the movie where the psychiatrist says something like sometimes we survive by forgetting. Well, she's been forgetting that she's actually been the one that's like constructing all these traps for people, killing her ex-boyfriend. But I'm talking about the original flashback that goes back and shows that Anna's with her boyfriend or something and she comes home and she, you kind of get the sense that she's rebelling because she's sad what's happening with her mom. She comes home and finds her dad and Rachel intimately connected. And she like totally disassociates when she sees that. She goes down to the boathouse where her mother is trying to mend. And that's like her mom's favorite place. And she goes into the storage section and fills uh, up this watering can with gasoline and she's not walking towards the fire. She's actually walking away from it. Or at least she's walking away from the boathouse. And she's going to set the house on fire, I guess, is the implication. But Alex, her sister, catches her like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Like, And then just tells her to calm down. But then the mom rings the bell like she needs help. And then Alex goes to help her. Mm-hmm. But the lantern that Alex brings collapses. And the oil that was spilled, or the gasoline that was spilled, Uh, The fire catches and this whole place explodes. It kills Anna's mom. It kills her sister. And her dad and Rachel are still alive. And so that feels like the point where she completely breaks. Like maybe she was slipping into something like that because she was thinking about murdering Rachel is the implication. Mm -hmm. But then that just sends her spiraling. Yeah. And it's like she's just becomes like a shell of a person then right long story short she's re-institutionalized and you get the sense that she's happy with everything that happened and whether she was cognizant of everything that she was doing or not that's like up for debate and up for question but she was glad it happened and so the only unsolved question at this point is like, okay, well, why? Where was all this this backstory that you know she that Rachel actually murdered people? Like that seems like totally made up. How did she come up with that? Well, the girl that you see at the beginning of the movie that was like, you don't belong out of here. This They're is...
1: never gonna fix you. Yeah,
0: the, yeah, that person. You see her go into her room and said like, welcome home, and the door shuts. It says Mildred Kemp, and so. You know, that's where everything Mm kind of comes full circle, and then the movie ends. So, that was probably a really long explanation.
1: Yeah. But it's kind of, there are a lot of little moving pieces. It's kind of hard to summarize it quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I guess we should move on now that we've explained this movie, probably talked it to death. We should move on to our next segment that is Gripes, Likes, and Tropes. Okay, so what was your major gripe about this movie?
1: Okay, my major gripe is that after all this happens, we get to the very end, we see the big reveal, one of the big reveals that her, um, the person lives across the hall is Mildred Kemp. That's how she knows this whole story, and she has all these visions about it, probably because she's heard about it in detail, blah, blah, blah. But my gripe is that I don't understand how she, Anna, would be in the same place, let alone right across the hall from a serial killer who murdered children. Because Anna, as far as we know, the only thing that's on her track record is that she was cutting her wrists. Now, from the way her wrists are shown... It looks like more of a self harm, less of a suicide attempt. Um, so, for somebody who's self harming to again be in the same facility right next door to a serial killer well, doesn't seem to make much sense okay, to me. Okay, so I
0: didn't, I mean, I think the whole serial killer thing of the kids, I think that was all made up. That didn't really happen.
1: I think it did because, I mean, there are actual reports about it. Like, in the newspaper, remember when they looked it up, they went to the library or whatever? Yeah,
0: but are you supposed to, like, believe that she's a trustworthy narrator there? And she's not totally, like... Ugh. See, I, I mean, because this... Okay, so that was, like, allegedly well, happened, like, okay. years ago. Yeah. And the woman that is in the hall across from her, as a serial killer, like, she doesn't even look like she's old enough to accomplish something like that. And it also talks about how Mildred Kemp was, like, never found again. And here she is across the hallway, institutionalized for murder. Well,
1: it said that she was never found yet in that newspaper article. But I mean, I'm assuming that was a that was printed probably a week after it happened, years oh, okay. ago. So like, I just feel like there could have been.
0: So your major gripe is you feel like if that really happened, that feels very
1: unrealistic. Well, I, I should clarify too, and I hope to talk about some of these things. But there's a lot that we can't say for sure because there's so many things that are unknown. We don't know if she is... I mean, well, we'll get to this later. We just don't know what all is truth and what's not. I'll put it that way. So if it is true that Mildred Kemp really did that and she's in the cell next door it doesn't really make sense for Anna to be living right next to her.
0: Yeah. I think I come to a different conclusion, but we should ask our audience. Mm. If you've seen this movie, what do you think is the truth? Do you think there really was a Mildred Kemp that murdered these kids and tried to steal this husband away? Or was that Anna's like own fictitious imagination, justification for why she was going to kill Rachel um, I actually interpret it differently than Elise. I thought that all that stuff is made up. Like I think her discovering all that information, trying to explain that to people, she's making that up, or is crazy enough to have believed that.
1: Hold be on, sure. hold on. Are you saying Mildred made it up or animated? And
0: animated up. I think Mildred Kemp is a real person. It's the it's the person that's in the psychiatric ward across the hall from her. I think Anna took her name and invented a character named Mildred Kemp, who's not, not the real Mildred Kemp, that was a murderer and tried to, like she just came up with her own backstory to try to discredit Rachel.
1: See, and I think that because at the very beginning, Anna's in therapy and she's, you're seeing this vision, this dream that she's had, where she's walking through a forest and she sees a garbage bag. And she opens it, and this like little girl falls out.
0: Oh yeah, he's dead. Mention that.
1: Yeah, um, and she keeps seeing these kids everywhere. And so it's it. She definitely had these visions or these thoughts before any of this happened. So that's why I ha- I had to assume that Mildred told her about these things that she had done in detail and described it to her, so she had these things in her head.
0: Oh. So, I yeah. mean, that
1: but that's the thing like we can't really know what is truth at all.
0: Yeah, so I guess to add my gripe to it, it does feel like this movie relies so much on the the unreliable narrator trope mm-hmm. that at the end that it feels like, I mean, I guess a lot of that is open to interpretation. Um, and sometimes that can be good, and sometimes that can feel kind of lazy. And in some ways that some of that stuff, the way it was executed in the end, just felt lazy to me. And so I can't really qualify that any more than just like, it's kind of a gut feeling. Like, it just feels like it concocts this really fantastical story and then, it was just made up. It's like, it's like having a dream sequence. I mean, I know this movie has tons of dream sequences in it, Mm -hmm. but it feels like this is just falling into that lazy, like.
1: Because well, when you go back and rewatch, then you're trying to like view things that her dad or Ebanks is saying. You're trying to like what they're actually saying is seems kind of normal. But the tone, they have kind of an ominous vibe to them. And then you're realizing, oh, well, that could just be her perception. Whereas the first time you watch it, you assume what you're saying is truth. And that's why it's so compelling because you really believe rachel must have done something you're interested to find out what she did and if she's going to try to kill anna to shut her up or whatever yeah but then you go back and watch it again and you realize you have no idea what's true and what's not did they actually say those things or did they just say them with a normal nice tone to them i mean that really changes everything yeah
0: also kind of tagging onto this is my like kind of concluding gripe i guess it's it feels like in some sense and i feel like i've become more sensitive to this over the years it's like the joker phenomena like you take somebody that is like classically villainous like a remorseless killer and just say "Ah, that's just because he had undiagnosed mental problems and so what it (laughs) kind of like It kind of does is it, it, I I think it stigmatizes people with mental problems as being
1: kind of
0: murderous and so is that, I mean, is that part of your,
1: well, that's, I mean, do you want to know now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a trope. That's my trope that I was going to say. So if you want to wait.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. So, yeah, it just feels, that feels not great. But what did you like about this movie overall? What was your one like of it?
1: I mentioned this earlier, but I really did like that it had some good, honestly scary uh, scares, for lack of a better word. Uh, there were plenty of moments where we were pretty creeped out. I felt like they did a good job of um, using whether it was visions or dreams or just things that we thought were really happening. Um, but I felt like it was it was a good scare. Overall,
0: yeah, I thought it had a really creepy atmosphere to it, and my like was that it felt kind of cinematically compelling in a way. Mm-hmm. Not every shot worked, but I think in retrospect, the, the, just even how scenes were framed, you could see how if 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 what was really happening in Anna's mind was the truth, and Alex was alive, and Rachel was the killer. That looked totally convincingly real, and then, at the end, you could see how all of those things in retrospect you know were only in her imagination and I mean, I think it pulled off that like just even the framing of scenes and certain dialogue and when Alex enters and what she says, and all that stuff felt like in retrospect felt good, so sometimes um. I think that stuff can feel like very on the nose and cheesy, but mm-hmm. I think that pulled it off well. Yeah. But let's get into your trope now. You're kind of alluding to it before.
1: Yeah. So one of the tropes is just, well, okay. One of the tropes in general is when we take someone with mental illness and we make them into a serial killer of some sort, some sort of villain. Um,. What you were saying before, there's a, you know, somewhat big problem of stigmatizing people like that. Uh, The odds that someone who self-harms, for instance, is going to go on a killing spree, very, very low. Statistics are very low. Yeah. So people kind of associating, um, I guess you'd say, quote, crazy People people that are in insane asylums with murdering is just a very large trope, especially in horror. So what we have to discuss with this, though, is are they using this trope if she did all this on purpose? If she used her mental illness or... Let's say she would capitalize on a mental illness, so to speak, that maybe she doesn't even really have in order to get away with murdering her dad's girlfriend.
0: Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think that I think we're supposed to conclude that she does have some serious troubles uh, psychiatrically. Um, and that's not just a an act, but that's real. I don't know, like, I'm not sure they try to treat that sympathetically. I mean, I get the, you know, that's a great cover for like hiding, you know, a murderous maniac beneath that. Like, yes, she might have mental problems, but she's just also who she is, is just kind of, but it blurs those things in such a sloppy way to me that it feels like there's, I mean, audiences just kind of are always going to conflate those two. I think it's like, Oh, well, if you're quote unquote crazy, that means that you're capable of just murdering your loved ones and showing no remorse about it. Yeah.
1: And when she came back to the center, her therapist stopped by and said, good to see you again or whatever. And uh, asked her about her time on the outside, if you will. And she said, I did what she told me to do. I finished what I started. And she's like using her fingernail to like cut out the face of Rachel in this photo that she has, and she kind of has a grin. And so that's what makes this so confusing because I I, I mean, of course, you're kind of led to believe that she killed Rachel on purpose, or that was kind of her whole plan or whatever. I mean, that's hard to tell what's what there. But with all the scenes with Alex, she's really talking to Alex and Alex is really there with her in these scenes. So I don't know if she also was faking that she was seeing Alex because there'd be no reason for her to be a good actress when she's by herself in a room.
0: That's why I don't think this is a, um, like a fake illness for her because she's.
1: If she really was seeing Alex, which was an apparition, um, then at the end when Alex kills Rachel and then she realizes, oh shoot, that was me. I killed Rachel. It seems like in the end it would just be her who kills Rachel instead of blaming it on Alex if that was her plan all along.
0: But I think, okay, so again, I, th- I was, I think I was right about this when the psychiatrist at the beginning said, sometimes we survive by forgetting. I think that was a key to understand that sometimes Anna forgets the horrible things she does. So she can continue going on feeling like this innocent little girl that is just got a a mother that's sick and a father who's got a wayward eye. I think that selective memory on her part, again, problematically kind of mixed in with her mental illness. I think that's how she's able to, do these things and not remember like you know she makes her dead sister the murderer because that so blood's not on her hands you know it's you know alex did it it wasn't me you know um and that way she can hold alex at arm's length as somebody that's dead and that had did something like murder somebody um but also embrace her as her sister and somebody that cuz she feels guilt about her dying because it was ultimately her You know, wanting to get revenge and her, like, angry at her dad was the reason why her mom, uh, who was already dying, died quicker in such a terrible way. And why her sister died, too. So, I do think that she's really has these mental
1: problems. Yeah, I guess I wish we had a little more backstory on how she got to the center in the first place. Like, was it because she was harming herself after the death of her mother and sister I would imagine
0: so, because there's probably some guilt in that and she was like going in and out of states of awareness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean I I think that's probably
1: But like, I'd like to know if I mean if that was the only thing, then that's like very very mild and wouldn't connect to murderous behavior. Um so I'm not sure. I mean I, I'd like to know more information about that. But I also think that I mean I like the way the movie went, so I'm fine with it, but I also think it'd be interesting if they took the approach of Anna has basically oppressed or suppressed the memory of her mom and her sister dying or maybe just her sister dying because she... It's like a trauma response. Like, to remember it is to feel very panicky. And um, and so... I kind of liked the idea of her really believing that Alex is there and really, like, truly just forgetting that Alex really died and then kind of being in a, I don't know, a state where she's not super aware of what she's doing because she's just or suppressed all this stuff that really happened in her life. Like, she can't remember any of it. I like that better than the idea of... Her knowing what happened and then choosing to kind of wield that to get rid of Rachel.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think that's the. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I don't think that was the the aim that they were taking. Is that she's just that she's using this as sort of a cover to plot this elaborate revenge or anything like that. But I do think she she's like yeah trauma response. Shuts down her cognition again because I think that line sometimes we survive by forgetting. I think that is crucial to understand her character and motivation. She survives because she forgets that she killed her sister and her mom accidentally. But when she comes back and is like brought back into that world where she's subconsciously confronting those feelings of guilt and the desire to kill Rachel because Rachel and her dad were
1: having an affair. Having an
0: affair and she's angry about that because her mom is sick and dying down here. Um I still think she has those feelings of rage and 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 like murderous thoughts where she wants to kill Rachel. I think that's what that's about. So my favorite trope was Matt or Matthew saying we can't talk here and then I think I said meet me tonight. And then he said, meet me tonight. Mm-hmm. And you that's the best that feeling in the world. That's yeah. That's a simple trope, but yeah. I just, God, I love I that did, stuff.
1: I did also write that one, but since we were only choosing one,
0: I have Mel to Brooks and Carl Reiner used to, these comedy legends used to get together once a day before Carl Reiner died just a few years ago. And they would watch movies together, talk about the good old days. And they used to talk about some of their favorite tropes in movies and how they knew the movie was, going to, was just going to be so good. If They said stuff like you should get some rest, you know, like stuff like that. It's just oh, so good. Love that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So yours was <laughs> much more serious. Like how do we evaluate like the, <laughs> you know, the ethical implications of portraying people with mental problems in this way. And like, what does it mean for this person to be an unreliable narrator? And I was like, I like the part where they say the line that they say in other movies a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, our next segment normally would be scaredy cats. But, unfortunately, no animals in this movie.
1: I think a cat would have fit nicely in the lake house. A
0: cat would have fit so nicely in the lake house. Unless the cat was caught in the explosion. Or she killed the cat. Because she had one of her disassociative states. So maybe it's good that there was not a cat So we're in episode two, still at a zero cat count, but we have an excuse now to play an audio clip of our cat purring and meowing.
1: Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. It took a long time to record it.
0: We thought we could show her some treats and get her to meow because normally that's what she does, but we could not get her to cooperate.
1: The moment we pulled out the mic, she got stage fright.
0: Yeah, and we could not get her to do one of her big meows, so we got this little pathetic meow. But uh, we'll trick her into something in the future, I'm sure. Hopefully. Hopefully. So no scaredy cats. Uh, zero, um, zero cat count in our journey through this series. Uh, but we did series. have a two dog count. We did have a two dog count. And we can't get to say to anybody, rest and pause, which I'm really looking forward to saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can kind of wind down by going to Letterboxd and seeing what we reviewed this on Letterboxd. what did you give this on Letterboxd? Did you review it yet?
1: You know I didn't review it yet. It's
0: been days, folks.
1: But here's the thing. I also didn't review Don't Breathe 2 yet.
0: Okay, it's literally been like two <laughs> weeks. That <laughs> makes me so angry that you have not reviewed that yet.
1: I know. You okay. hate that. Well,
0: let me tell you what my review is. I gave it two and a half stars. Mm-hmm. In the process of this conversation, I might bump that up to three. Oh, I think I've talked
1: you into I it. I think you've
0: talked me into it. I, I think you've convinced me. That there is something more to this mm-hmm. than I originally
1: yeah. thought. Yeah.
0: My letterbox review now three stars, and I said I too title my inner thought life the uninvited. But don't Because my thoughts, like they're uninvited thoughts, a lot of times.
1: Ah. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Well, I didn't review it yet, but I would give it a solid four. Okay. Because, I mean, I don't know. It was just one of those movies. I've seen it three times, which is weird. And I enjoy watching it. I feel like my third watch was just as good in a different way as my first watch. But yeah, I mean, I think what we've talked about is just that it's a very complex movie. And there are a lot of different ways you could go with it based on what you think is the truth. And if she knew what she was doing, if she didn't, if she was using her label as crazy in order to get some things taken care of and not go to prison. I mean, I don't know. There's just like a lot of elements. It's kind of complex and you don't ever have all the answers, but it really makes you think. And I got to appreciate that.
0: So I guess on our letterbox, our shared letterbox account, We should do, what, an average star ranking? You know, we are now a married couple. We are one flesh, as the Bible says. Mm. And I mean that in the kind of like amorphous the thing kind of way. That makes me think
1: of Venom.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's gross. You're the alien that is attached to my body. And has Excuse given me? me superpowers. I'm strong now. But I've also made you evil. <laughs>
1: so consider what you're saying, So the sir. the
0: analogy breaks down there. It does. But, okay, we'll probably just do an average. Okay. But we thank you for joining us on this journey. Elise, if people want to follow us or find us, where can they find us?
1: We're on Twitter at scaried. We're on Instagram at Happily Scaried Podcast. You can email us at Happily Podcast at gmail dot com.
0: You know, if you just look up happily scaried anywhere, that's what we should probably say in the future. Just hey, check us out at Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Gmail at happily scaried. Have we, we gotten us.
1: any emails yet?
0: I haven't checked in a few days. Okay. We also do want you to be able to keep up with the conversations we're having here. So we're going to try to let you know what we're going to be doing like a week or two in advance. So our next episode, I think we're going to try to talk about this movie that just came out called Nighthouse. And it's in theaters right now as of this recording. So I hope you'll join in with us in that discussion. And if you've seen it, let us know what you think. And if there's anything you'd like us to talk about. All right. I think that wraps it up. For us here tonight. We're recording this at night. That's the that's going to be the happily scary guarantee. That when we <laughs> record this, it's going to be at nighttime. We're going to be in a dark room. There's going to be candles going. We're going to be hitting the cough button. So we can get a handful of candy corn and munch it between takes.
1: Mostly it's just because we're both night owls. Yeah, that's true. And we don't have time during the day.
0: We're going to let you go. And at least you have any parting words this evening.
1: May you live happily, scary after.
0: There you have it, folks. We'll see you next time.